When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You feel that chill in the air? The NHL is back, and it's time to hit the ice. DraftKings Sportsbook is getting new customers ready for puck drop with an epic offer. Score 200 bucks instantly in bonus bets when you bet just $5 on hockey. Now that's worth a selly. Tonight, the New York Rangers will face off against the Vancouver Canucks on the road. The puck line is set to 1.5. Over-under is set to 6, and the Rangers are favored to win the game with minus 162 odds. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code ICTPOD. New customers can get 200 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code ICTPOD only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problems gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort KS, licensee, partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles in Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming re- gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyrighted the NHL 2023. All rights reserved. You're as cold as ice. You will. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice School Takes podcast. I am your host, Joey DeMeglio, joined by friend of the show, Stat Boy Steven. This week, we'll be talking about Phil Heedle's strong start to the season, Blake Wheeler's struggles, and Steven is going to give an update on Rangers prospects. Steven, how are you? Uh, doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, doing well. How are those uh, late West Coast uh, games treating you all the way over in Ireland? I, I cannot wait for this for this shit to be over. Like three a.m. puck drops, it's just it kills me. But yeah, and then just wait for the California trip. Luckily, they've uh, they've rewarded me with wins so far in the first two. Yeah, they've played well. the The game against Seattle, uh, after like it was an okay okay start for that. They had that issue with the lighting, but then after Seattle scored their first goal, the Rangers really took over in that game, and then yeah. And then Panarin against, was, uh, was so good in that game. Yeah, Panarin, Panarin was, was awesome. Actually, Panarin has been really good to start the season. Um, I love what I'm seeing from him and that entire line. We'll talk a little bit about it, uh, a little more about it in a bit. But that Calgary game, too, the Rangers started off a bit flat-footed, uh, give up a goal within the first two minutes. I think it was minute 15 seconds. They turned the puck Which over. Which is a typical Rangers thing to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah it was nothing – Nothing new. Been there, done that before. Then I thought the last five-ish minutes of the first period against the Flames were really, really solid. 
Um, they had some really good opportunities. And then, you know, after that, the Rangers really, really did a nice job against them. They scored some, uh, you know, special teams goals. They know it was a four-on-four goal, a couple power play goals. But overall, even strength play has been really, really solid so far this year for the yeah. Rangers. What I love the most about the power play against the Flames is that Peter Laviolette actually started the second unit at one point. Yeah. I, and you know this. I've been talking about this for two years while Gallant was coaching. Sometimes you have to start the second unit because it's the fresher unit. It's okay. You can start the second unit. It's fine. And the second unit got the first power play goal. And on the second power play goal, starting the second unit gave them a favorable matchup. Yeah. And they put first unit out there for the second minute on the power play and it led to Kreider with a typical signature goal for him yeah right? absolutely skating, so skating to the side and and tipping it behind Markstrom if you look at that goal by Kreider I've looked at it about 20 times I don't understand how he does it how do you deflect a puck in such a way that that it goes that, that that it goes in from that angle it's it's such a hard thing to do but to Kreider's credit and the nhl has been tracking this since 2009 since 2009 chris Kreider leads the league in in goals off of uh off of tips with 77. joe pavelski who's known for these type of goals is in second place with 68. that's quite at this point there's a there's separation there too yeah, at this point, this type of goal should be called a Kreider. Also, Pavelski, uh, Pavelski played more games in that span than Kreider because Kreider didn't become an NHL regular until 2012-2013, which was four years after this was tracked. Yeah. So Pavelski had a four-year head start on Kreider, and he's still ahead of him by nine. So That, that type of deflection, Kreider would always get those goals in uh the year he scored 50. last year they weren't going in for him they would be stopped by the goalie either that or he would hit the post or he'd get robbed or something like that and he still had 35 goals and he still had 35 goals yes exactly and this year he's off to another great start another great start for for Kreider. so you love to see that but i'd also like to point out that on that the when they started the second unit that first power play that the Rangers scored on, that first unit was they could not get into the zone. They got a quick hook. They got a quick yeah. hook. It was like a minute 10, a minute 20 seconds left in the power play, and the first unit was already off. They could not gain entry into the zone. And I guess LaViolette was just like, all right, next guy's out. So second unit gets out there. Lafreniere gets the tip on the goal. They did a good job there. And then he rewarded them. He get The next time the Rangers got on a power play, he rewarded them, started with the second unit, and again, it worked its way out. So get to the first unit, like you said, the matchup worked in the Rangers' favor, and Kreider gets a deflection goal. So, you know, that kind of, you know, coaching, it's a breath of fresh air. Laviolette has been a breath of fresh air for, for me. And another thing I pointed this out yesterday, um, I've noticed it's become a common theme that after the Rangers win their games, it seems like Laviolette always has something to like nitpick about. Like he's like, "Yeah, we did good tonight, but we could have done this better. We could have done that better. We could have trapped better. Uh, we spent too much time in our end." And he's right. The Rangers gave up eleven high danger chances and spent most of the time in the third period in their own end. The chances, yeah. from what I saw, I didn't think they were that great. Chesterkin had to make a couple really good saves in the third period, 
But the fact that Laviolette is pointing it out is a good thing. So you know that they're going to be working on that in practice. Mm -hmm. If you keep striving for improvement, you're always going to get better. You're not going to stop it like, all right, we, we won a couple of games. Let's cruise here. No, 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 no. We won a couple of games. Let's win another couple of games. Like, let's win it's, more it's on a, top of that. It's the polar opposite of Alain Vigneault, who after a loss would say we had some good looks. Yeah. That's like like with the Mets, um, Mickey Calloway used to just always say after they lost is we battled. That was just the default answer. We battled. It's like, yes, I know you battled, but you didn't win. So what are you going to do about it? And this is this is great because the Rangers are winning games. I know it was like, okay, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And now the Rangers have won two in a row. So let's see if they could stretch it to three against Edmonton tonight. Uh, Edmonton's been off to a, a rough start. So you know and that they're, they're going to be. They're without McDavid too. Yeah, they're without McDavid, but you know they're going to be they're going to be fighting a little bit. So I expect Edmonton to come out a little mm. bit hot. The Rangers got to got to play to their strengths, what they've been doing so far this year, which is spend a lot of time in the offensive zone. So the NHL just released their new edge statistics. Um, it tracks like skating speed, shot speed, you know, the amount of shots in the different areas of the ice in the offensive zone. It even tracks like offensive zone time. And so I was playing around with it and I can, I went back and uh, there's a comparison tool. I compared so far this year in the regular season to last year in the regular season. The Rangers are spending 42.9% of their time in the offensive zone at even strength. That is 90th percentile in the league. Last year, last year it was not even close. Like I don't even have they were 41.9% and that's like that's below league average. The Rangers are above average in that in that department. And because of that, they're spending less time in the defensive zone. So Shesterkin has had to do less work, right? So, so far this year, that trend of the Rangers, you know, you could put a stopwatch. I know you like to say you could you could time it and it'll be less than 10 seconds the Rangers spend in the offensive zone. It hasn't been that much of the case this year. No, and, and I actually did it in some games last season or even over the last two years. And it was so obvious that the Rangers could not retain possession in the offensive zone to the point where the one or two times it did happen, we as a fan base were talking about it for weeks. Do you remember the shift? Like, we still talk about it. It's been almost a year and a half, and we're still talking about it because it was such a rarity for this team to actually be in the offensive zone, to stop the opponent from clearing the zone multiple times and converting that into a goal that for this team that was such a mirage that we were talking about it all throughout the offseason we 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 lost four games in a row in the eastern conference final and nobody gave a damn because we had that one shift that's how special it was for this fan base because mm -hmm. it never happened and now you see a completely different dynamic the players have a purpose they play with a system they know where the other person is on the ice they're not just freewheeling. They're not just being told by their coach to go out and play hockey. You know, there's an actual system. There's a structure. The players have, go out there with assignments, and it shows. Even, even the slowest players on the ice or the players that looked the slowest last year don't look slow this year because they skate with a purpose. I always compare it with driving into a town you've never been to before without GPS. 
where like you can have the fastest car in the world you can drive a lamborghini but if you go into a town where you don't know anything you don't have gps you're going to stop at every intersection to make sure you go in the right direction that was the rangers on the gerard Galant. they didn't know where to go and that slows you down the rangers are making some really good passes uh i know kako hasn't had as many points this year that fans have hoped for especially coming out of the preseason as good as he looked but he had a i don't know if you saw it but in that calgary game he had a really really nice pass i think it was to zabanajad or Kreider, who gate who got it to zabanajad and mika couldn't score but it was such a nice yeah. nifty pass that you didn't think it was coming but that play even from kaku i i am a fan of in the offensive zone that wouldn't have happened last year if the rangers yeah. you know didn't have this, if, this sort of system if, if zabanajad was a little bit more in mid-season form Kako would have had four or five points by now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I don't think Kako's playing poorly either. I think he's playing really well. I think, again, he's just getting unlucky. If he keeps playing the way he's playing and Laviolette gives him the time in the top six, which so far the lines are working out really, really well. All the top nine, actually. Even with Blake Wheeler not really doing anything, that third line is is pretty good. Like, because Cooley's playing his ass off, and Trocek has is, is done pretty pretty well, aside from the offensive zone penalties, which yeah. is like Ryan Strom syndrome. I don't know. Must be the curse of jersey number 16. Um, yeah, uh, Will Cooley is is the first second-round pick since Derek Stepan that actually looks good in a Ranger jersey. Yeah, he looks great. He looks great. Uh, did you see how he, he's like, he got it into like second gear and – like split the Flames defenders. He almost scored a nice goal. It should have been a penalty on that. Yeah, and he gets he gets under player skins too, like with Yanni Gord in Seattle. Yeah, you know, and he probably shouldn't be doing this, and he should have gotten a penalty for this because when you're on the bench, you're not supposed to, like, physically interact with players on the ice. But he got under Yanni Gord's skin, man, and and that that was a beautiful thing to see. I thought I, Gord went over to him. Yeah, no, no. Well, Gord was. After Cooley touched him, he turned around and thought it was Trocek. He went after Trocek, and then Cooley touched him again, and that's when he went after Cooley. <laughs> but if you look at that interaction, it starts with Cooley kind of pushing Gord away from the bench. And this is this is the kind of attitude that the Rangers need in the lineup. You know, yep, they, they need their top six. It's just nice guys, and yeah. they're good players like Kreider, Zabanejad, Panarin, Hedl. They're good players, but they're not nice guys. They're, 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 they're nice guys. They're not they're not guys that will that will fuck shit up. And Cooley does that on the third line. And it kind of rubs off on Trocek. I don't know if you've noticed, but Trocek is a bit of a pain in the ass now. Yeah. He is, yeah. Yeah, that third line is fun to watch. Uh Wheeler looks a bit slow. It's six games into the season. I don't know how long this is how long of a leash he's gonna get. It's um, actually already pretty short. Like, he started on yeah. the second power play unit. He started mm -hmm. with more ice time. I know he was getting, like, 12 minutes of ice time, like, the first couple of games. Yeah. And then it dipped below 10. He was taken off the second unit within, like, the first three, four games of the season. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. Lavulette is holding people accountable. But Panarin is playing really, really well. And Lavulette is rewarding him. He's double shifting him, like, constantly. Mm -hmm. The guy is the guy is 
shooting the everything is going towards the net. He's cutting to the middle of the ice. All the things that he was doing uh, under David Quinn that made him so successful in those first two years with the Rangers, it looks to me like he's doing them again. And I know yeah. he had the points under Gallant, but it wasn't the same player that he was the first two years of that Rangers contract. Well, I don't know. You can I, tell. I don't know if, if you think the same way though. Yeah, you can tell by the way he plays now. You know, under Gallant, he was kind of sticking on the outside now he goes inside and and even when he doesn't have the puck you know he's he's much more physical you know he's he's up in up in opponents faces there's there's some kind of confidence in his game now and it doesn't just come from the way he plays it's the way he's allowed to play and this is what happens when because we were we are a really good team we're a good team with good players that had no system at all and we still made the playoffs in back-to-back years with no system. Mm-hmm. Now take that good team and put it under a coach like La Violette, who has a clear system, and this team is even better than they were the last two years. Like this team fought their way into a conference final when they had no business being there. And it kind of reminds me of 2012, where they 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 just fought their way into the conference final and then they and then they just ran out of gas after six games yeah then the following year 2013 they had like an, an earlier exit against the Bruins in the second round that was coach a disappointment coach got fired it was disappointing the exit interviews were brutal for the coach same thing happened here 2023 now early exit exit interviews are brutal for the coach coach is replaced and you get an experienced coach back in 2013 it was Vigneault now it's La Violette like the similarities are are very very interesting yeah it's even, noticeable i keep going back to it too that's yeah good that it's even it it's even it's even scarier when you compare it to the 92 93 94 seasons 92 they they won the they won the president's trophy you know they they, they made the playoffs 93 they missed the playoffs altogether fired their coach and 94 they went all the way to the final and won it so it's it's scary how many similarities there are. I'm not saying we're going to win the cup this year, but it's interesting to see the similarities with yeah. the year ending in four and the year t- ending in three, the years ending in two. Yeah, uh, and also from those years, the 2012-13 Rangers. That was the first year the Rangers had Nash. Um, and I mean, talking about Blake Wheeler, what I see, what I'm thinking of, like when it comes to like this discussion about him he, he might be washed or you know how long is this experiment going to last i i get these rick nash watered down with benoit pouliot vibes from him like if you remember rick nash like the first year that he was on the rangers he scored a goal in his second game and then it took him five games to score another one and he was getting points but it was like it was almost like pity points like he you know, you kind of just didn't remember, and it's like, oh, finally, he scored. And then he goes on this hot streak, right? And then the reason I say watered down with Benoit Puglia is because Blake Wheeler is nowhere near the level Rick Nash is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Blake Wheeler is, like, last year he had 55 points. He wasn't scoring 30 goals. Like, at one point in his career, yes, but not anymore. Not at this stage. What is he, 37 years old, I think? But where would the Rangers be without Rick Nash? Where would they be without Benoit Pouliot? Benoit Pouliot started the first nine games 
of the 2013-14 season without a goal. It took him a, and he only had 15 goals, but he was part of that third line that was so critical and key to the team's success. Where would they be without mm. him? So I don't know. I I have I, obviously I am concerned with how slow he looks, Wheeler, but I don't think six games is enough to call it like all right, yeah, let's let's cut him or let's yeah let's and move on. Despite the bad performance by Blake Wheeler, that third line is still one of the best lines exactly. in, in the NHL early in the season. So imagine if he and for Blake Wheeler, it's not just adjusting to a new coach. It's adjusting to a new organization, to a new city. The guy has played in in Winnipeg for for over a decade. So it's a bit of an adjustment. Like Trocheck started off slow last year too, the first couple of games. You know, I'm 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 okay giving giving Wheeler another 10, 15 games. And like I said, even with him not not meeting expectations, that third line is still really good for the Rangers. Imagine how good that line is when Wheeler when Wheeler you know gets more comfortable in his in his current role. And this is a guy that only costs eight hundred and twenty five thousand. Right. So worst case worst case scenario they can just they can either send him down or he can retire and it doesn't affect the cap at all. Like there's no risk here. It's not like it's not like they signed a guy for four and a half million and and now you're stuck with a contract that's gonna hurt you down the line cap wise. Right. This is a low risk, high reward kind of situation. Yeah. But you know who really stands out to me is Eric Gustafson. Yeah, he's he he's uh sometimes it, it's like. I look at him and I'm like, what is he doing? And then all of a sudden he has the puck and he's making a transition or an outlet pass. Like I, it's like, I have no idea. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. Like he, you think he's making the wrong decision and then it just turns out to be the right move. Like with him, he's, he's playing pretty well so far. Um, significant upgrade, significant upgrade over previous six defensemen in my yeah. eyes. Yeah. And and again, a, a guy that only costs 825K. That, I have no idea how they were able to manage that because he had 40 points last year. I don't know how they were able to get that. That it, it does not make any sense to me. Why he would agree to that and like not take a, like, a longer contract or something. Because 40 points for six defensemen, that does not happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and maybe he just wanted to play under Laviolette because he played under Laviolette last year in Washington. Yep. They keep saying so, on the broadcast yeah. that he was comfortable playing with, with Laviolette. Yeah. And, you know, he's and that, that guy has really solidified the second unit because the second unit used to have Keandre Miller on it. They moved away from him, and Gustafsson is just a better fit there. I like the look of Cooley there, too. Yes. Honestly. Yeah. Like I, I thought it was going to be like a mismatch because I thought he was more of a physical presence, but it kind of balances out the strength of the, of that unit. Yeah. But that second unit also plays a different style of power play hockey compared to the first unit. Like the first mm -hmm. unit is, you know, their, their goal, their objective is to get into the zone, set up, pass it around until you get a lane and then go for the shot. And nine out of 10 times it's a bandage ad, which I'm getting a bit tired of, but 
they 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 need some more variety on that first unit, but it still works. Mm-hmm. That second unit is much more dynamic. You know, they move around. They're not all stuck in the same place, which makes it harder for opponents to uh, to handle because they they practice for that first unit. All of a sudden, they go up against a second unit that's much more mobile. So now your players are moving around. They get lost in traffic a little bit. And that's what 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 opened up for uh, the Gustafsson shot that was deflected by Lafreniere. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that and then again, it goes back to what you were saying in the beginning. Like you work the matchups in your favor by doing that. If you mix and match yeah. which unit you start with, I've yeah. also seen the the first unit kind of implement some of those uh, movement uh, strategies from the second unit. Like they've, you know, I, I've I've seen Panarin end up in Zibanejad's spot. I've seen Zibanejad end up at the point, Fox over at the the right yeah. circle. You know, it's not like they're just stationary. Um, I definitely, I agree with you though. I think they need to to mix it up a little bit more. Maybe they use the bumper a little bit because I know teams that are successful in the power play, like Tampa Bay, they always use point in the bumper, and he gets a lot of goals from there. Maybe they could find a way to do that with like Trocheck or swaps the vantage at in that spot. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's still early though, so we'll see about that. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was how. Great Edel, Philip Edel has looked uh, to start the season. Right now he has, uh, what is it, five assists in the last two games, which is uh, which is great. Uh, he should have had a goal against the Flames. Uh, that four-on-four, the cycling was, was unbelievable. Uh, right off the pass, he took it to the net, shot it right on Markstrom, got through him, and, you know, it got yeah. past him, and, and Gustafson was there to, to tap it home. So I'm sure they were, you know – joking about Gustafson taking yeah. a goal away from him. And and he also lost that goal against the Blue Jackets for, for being uh, called back for offside. You know, and, and I was talking to someone who's actually, who actually works for a company tracking shot quality and scoring chances in, in NHL games. So I asked him, like, and I, I knew the answer already, but I just wanted to make sure, are are those goals that are being disallowed, are they still tracked? Are, are they still part of the data? And he goes, no, they should be, in my opinion, because it's still a scoring chance created. And it still plays into how how good your offense is. But unfortunately, it's not. And especially against Columbus, having that happen twice, two goals being disallowed for offsides um, is very frustrating. But yeah, Filipino is off to a great start. Six assists in in his first six games. Only five players have done that before him uh, in Ranger history, and the most recent one was Kovalev in 1995. That's a while ago. <laughs> so yeah, no, he's really, the goals aren't there yet for Hedl, but he's he's a point per game player early on. Uh, Lafreniere has three goals. Kreider has five. I think Panarin has seven points. It's the only player that really needs to uh, needs to uh, needs to step up and and you know get rid of the rust a little bit is Mika Zibanejad. Yeah. But other than that, the forwards are really doing what they're paid to do. I think once Mika gets his first goal, then you'll start to see a little bit, a little bit more yeah. from him. Yeah. Uh, they'll start going a just, little bit more. But it's just the way they play. You know, it's it's much more enjoyable to watch this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the transition has been has been yeah. fun to, to like, watch last year the rangers would win games where they had no business being being in it and it happened frequently 
this year they've lost one or two games where they should have won where they should have won it right the game against columbus they they played good hockey the game against the only bad game is the one against nashville yes yes That's those the, first two periods were really yeah. not a that was, that was the only really bad game but against arizona they they played they played a really good game they they could have easily won that but i would rather I would rather just play the way we do now and lose a couple of games that you should have won than play the, the way we have the last two years where you're relying on luck and puck bounces and you're going to bail you out just to get the win. Yeah, I I agree. Because it's like you, you're winning, but it's like, okay, but the way you're winning. Like the first year under Gallant, you knew the formula to the success. Get on a power play. Kreider scores, and Shostarka makes a bunch of saves and stands on his head, and the Rangers win. Yeah. Repeat, yeah. success, easy. It's easy to fall into that. The Rangers did it for years for Lundqvist. Yeah, but it's not sustainable. That's Exactly. I don't want that. I do not want that. I'm tired of it. I want to, I want to use the talent that the team has built for, for years and use it to the advantage and not have to use the goalie to win the game. You know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah. I know Shesterkin is great, and he could win you a game. But every game he needs to win, I'm no. sorry. I don't want to do that. I want the, the team and, in front of him to win the game. And also, like, Jonathan Quick was actually really good. In he was, Seattle. yes. He was. Or, wait, was it the game in Seattle he played? Or yes, the game in he, Calgary? he started, yeah, Seattle. Yeah. He started in yeah. Seattle. He was really yeah. good. Yeah, he was really good in that game. And, and you know, he's had a bad preseason and there was a lot of criticism of him. And the first the first time he he plays in a regular season, he puts up that performance. I'm really happy with that. And yes. That win in Calgary was the first win since 2018. The I was last in high time, school. The last time the Rangers won in Calgary, Will Cooley was still playing Triple uh, A junior hockey. He wasn't even in the OHL yet. Fox was still in college. Philip Hedel was a rookie. Mika Zibanejad had short hair. Shashorkin was still playing in Russia, and Ellen Vigneault was the coach. That's and how long takes and ice cold takes was not even a concept on a drawing board. That's yeah, like that's that, that's how <laughs> Kevin Weeks had no idea who you were. Who you were. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but that's that's how long ago it is. Five and a half years. And was that Lafreniere's fourth career power play goal? Uh, I think it was, and. He, could be. I don't know the exact number. There, I think but. I think that's what Vince said. Yes, and it was his second against Calgary, second in Calgary actually, because he had mm -hmm. one last year. So half of his power play goals in his career have been against the Flames in Calgary. So something about that is uh, uh, Lafreniere likes to likes to be on the power play in the yeah. in the Saddle Dome. I think that's mm -hmm. what they call it, the Saddle Dome, still, right? Yes, it's still the it's the Scotia Bank Saddle Dome. Scotia Bank Saddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was Scotia Bank, but I was because every arena has a sponsorship name except Madison Square Garden. Right. For now, Madison Square Garden is awesome. Because at some point, it's going to be the Chase Garden. Um, Ranger Central is uh, saying he's canceling us because the soccer is on the show. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's Python. That's Core Python, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You got it. Um, but I mean, now on the note of prospects, 
I want to hear from you. How is Brennan Hoffman doing? I know he had a couple of goals within his first few games. I think it was wait, two goals in his first game, right? No, uh yeah, he had two two goals in his first game against the Providence Bruins. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, after that. four games, he has two goals and one assist. He had 17 penalty minutes all in one game. Um <laughs> I saw he, he fought somebody. I saw that. He, he fought Taylor Fordun, who's who's bigger than him, older than him. And, you know, he just went after him. He got two plus ten for, in, for instigating, plus five minutes for the fight. But, yeah, Brennan Hoffman doesn't look out of place in Hartford. And, honestly, that whole team in Hartford is playing well. Like, this is the first time in eight years I'm paying for AHL TV. Because for the first time in eight years, I feel like it's actually worth it. Um, Brett Berard has two goals and an assist. Um, also really good there. Uh, Adam Ekstrom, a goal and an assist. Adam Sakura has two assists. Uh, they've only played four games, but they've won all four. They're off to a really good start, and the kids are actually chipping in, which is really good to see. So, like, what is the – is Othman getting, like, first-line minutes, first-line power play time, penalty yes. killing, everything? Yeah. Uh, maybe – I'm not sure about penalty killing, but he's he's on the first line and on the first power play unit, yes. So what is, like, the first line? It's it's uh, Othman, and who's the center? Um, it's uh... – I think it's uh, what's his name? Um, fuck, um, Riley Nash. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right, Riley Nash. Yeah, it's now. Riley Nash, Brett Berard, and Brennan Hoffman. They do mix it up a little bit. Uh, I think in one game he was with uh, Johnny Brodzinski, but that first and second line with Nash and Brodzinski, they're pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty flexible. So he's played some games with Alex Belzile, who I think was a really good signing for the yeah. Rangers. He might not be a guy that helps the team in New York, but having a guy like him down in Hartford is is going to 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 pay off for that team. Yeah, you want your minor league team to do really yeah. well. And, uh, um, good. and then in college, there's some really good uh, news as well. Uh, Jaroslav Kmelars, who plays for the Providence Friars, has seven points in his first five games. Brody Lamb has four goals and two assists in his first four, which is great for him. Uh, he's playing with two first-round picks and Oliver Moore and Jimmy Snuggerud. So he has better line mates this Brody year. Lamb is playing with those guys? Yep. Yep. Wow. That's like Henriksen um, playing with Holtz and Raymond. Yes, exactly, exactly. Remember so, that? <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how Lamb does over the course of the whole season. But the, the start is promising. Um, and Gabe Perot. Uh, yeah, Gabriel Perot has one goal and one assist so far in four games. Um uh, He's playing with um, Will Smith and Ryan Leonard, the two top 10 picks from this, this year's draft. Uh, the same line he played on in the NTDP. Yep. I recognize um, that. I remember but they, they are very that. young for college. That's something that you have to take into consideration there. Even though they're all first-round picks, they are going up against guys that are 20, 21, 22 years old. When they're only 18, that's going to, like physically, is going to be a challenge for them. But, um, yeah, no decent start for, for them as well. Um, and you have Ty Hendricks, who plays in the USHL for the Muskegon Lumberjacks, uh, has four points in his first five games. Maxim Barbashev went back to the QMJHL, uh, plays for the Shawinigan Cataracts now, and has six points in his first five. This is a team um, called the Cataracts? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, their logo is uh, is like a, like a native native american an eyeball 
Uh, no, it's like, no, it's like a Native American. It was like, you know, it kind of looks like a different angle of the Blackhawks logo. Oh, um, okay. But yeah, no, he was traded there over the summer by the Moncton Wildcats, and um, there was a bit of uh, a bit of drama there because he counts both as an import player because he's from Russia, and an overager because he's turning twenty before the end of the year. Um, and in the QMJHL, you can only have two of each, and they already had two European players, so they had to release one of them before Barbashev could play. But he's playing for them now, and I said, yeah, like I said, six points in five games. Uh, decent start for him. Uh, we'll see how he does the rest of the season, but especially Hartford. If people are, if people want to watch some hockey and the Rangers aren't playing on the weekend, check out a Hartford Wolfpack game. It's, it's, they're so much fun to watch. That's good. That's good. And um, the defense, uh, Drew, did you mention uh, Fortescue? Yeah, Drew Fortescue had his first college goal for, uh, for Boston as well. Uh, I think last week. Um, again, it's an 18 year old, so it, it'll take a, a little bit of time for him to adjust there, but, uh, yeah, also very exciting to watch him and Perot play for Boston college and they might play for team USA in the world juniors. Okay. Yeah. That's, we'll keep an eye I on. always try and keep an eye on for that stuff. Uh, yeah. We'll keep an eye on that in, in November. Um, the last one I want to call out is Dylan Garant, the goalie in Hartford. Yeah who uh, has a 0.965 save percentage so far this season. Ice cold, man. Damn, that's good. So is he getting the majority of the starts, or is it just like a, like a tandem between him? It's and a him? tandem. Louis Domingue and Dylan Garand are, uh, are, are sharing the duties in that. Uh, okay. Louis Domingue got, got in, into some, uh, some heated arguments with some fans in Hartford last week, by the way. I saw that. I saw that. Um, some fans like threw stuff on the ice, I think. Yeah, they were playing the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, and they were up 4 nothing or 5 nothing. So, of course you know, Louis Domingue wants to get that shutout. And in the final final couple of minutes, Wolfpack fans started throwing stuff on the ice. And it's probably because it was $2 beer night, so people were drinking too much. Um, but because they were doing it several times, the Wolfpack were penalized for it. Oh they, were given, they were given a penalty twice. So they spent four minutes on the penalty kill just because fans couldn't stop throwing stuff on the ice. Oh, and my Louis God. Domingue, Louis Domain got so upset that he skated over to the glass and he started banging on the glass and, and literally yelling at fans to knock it off. Wow. So that was that was interesting. Uh, oh but God. he still got the shutout that Okay, night. I was gonna ask, like he got the shutout though. That's good. So he what is, the, still what's Hartford's shutout. record? Uh they're four and zero. All right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like oh. to hear that. Good start to the season for them. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. That's yeah, that's no, that's good because you know I, they haven't changed anything like on the coaching staff. Like Knobloch's still the coach, obviously, right? Yeah. But like, coaching staff still the same. Yeah, like I remember when I had at some point last season I had you on and we were talking about how Hartford was struggling, and then all of a sudden they turned, they must have flipped the switch and they went to the playoffs, won a few rounds, and they look yeah. good so far. Then this year, that's oh. good. And I think winning those few rounds in the playoffs last year really helped the younger guys, guys like Cooley. That playoff experience is important. You know, it, even if you don't go all the way to win it, making it to the second or third or even fourth round with with a young team, that's going to pay dividends for them. 
Yeah, and I know um, it's it's AHL too, but still, like that same concept applies. Yeah, but yeah, like, okay. So last year, Brennan Hoffman won the OHL championship with the Peterborough Peets. I know it doesn't affect the Rangers directly, but for a guy like Hoffman, that's a great experience to go to the Memorial Cup to play in that tournament against other championship teams. Um, that's that's a great experience. I rather have that and have the player have a short short off season. Than, than the player not making the playoffs at all. Yeah, the, the and, being in that environment helps too, like in that competitive environment, so that and, you and, you're used and, to that already. Everywhere often goes, he wins. Like everywhere he goes, he wins. He he won he won a championship with the Don Mills Flyers in AAA Juniors. He won gold in the Under 18 World Juniors. He won gold twice in the Under 20 World Juniors. Now an OHL championship. And the guy is just a magnet for success. So that's that's very positive. I, I hope that 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 carries through to uh, to when he's playing in New York. I know it might be a couple are, of months, but yeah, I know people are saying like, all right, let's uh, let's call up Offman, let's call up Offman. I think you know, give him a little bit of time in the AHL too. Uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe get the AHL championship. I don't think a full year in the AHL. I don't think that's going to happen because you know he had a really good camp. Yeah, uh, injuries well, well, could well, happen, and you know, maybe yeah, maybe well, the Rangers see you know he first mm -hmm. of all. I don't know if they would do pick him over Brodzinski. I guess it depends on who they're replacing in the lineup because Brodzinski would then have to go on waivers. Well, that too, but if a fourth-line player is, is – let's say Tyler Pitlick goes down with injury, which is not unlikely because the guy is always injured. Yeah. Um, the last time Pitlick played a full season, the, the NHL jerseys were still made by Reebok. So, oh, that was a um, while ago. Exactly. Uh, so if Pitlick goes down with injury, calling up Offman is not really going to make a difference because you're not going to play Offman on the fourth line. And there's no one in the top nine you're going to demote to the fourth line either. You're not going to put Cooley there or Wheeler. So if a fourth liner goes out, then Brodzinski is the more logical call-up. So it depends on what happens. but When the injury occurs, too. When the injury like, occurs, maybe they make a trade. Maybe Wheeler retires mid-season. You never know. Anything is possible. You, you um, think he would? You think I, I, don't, would I, I don't think he would, but anything is possible. I wouldn't rule it out either. That's I don't know if I could see that happening because like he signed that he wanted to be here, but I, know, I, I could I see it if things aren't going well and if like he gets injured. You know, some yeah. athletes are different; they they respond to things differently than others. But it's it's still early, you know. We'll see how he does in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I'm just I'm just saying I'm not ruling it out because anything I can see. happen. I see. Um, um, well, we'll we'll see we'll see about Hoffman. Um, um, just need to point this out here. Uh, Python said that Igor practiced shooting the puck at the morning skate and he scored. Um, is that going to happen this year? Do we think? Do we think he's going to score a goal this year? Every year, I'm hoping it happens. No, because we never had a goalie score for us. Yeah, it's like, and he's gotten close several times. I hope it happens in a home game. Because it would be perfect if it happens at the Garden. The one year that it almost happened in Ottawa, I was like, oh my gosh, that was insane. That was so close. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, then I was like, wait, this wouldn't have been the same if he had scored. Like, the reaction would have been insane for anybody because it was in Canada. And, you know, 
they're hockey fans in general and to yeah. see a goalie score a goal that never happens but i think that was i think that was also goal. the game where he had his 50th win yeah i don't i don't remember i don't yeah. remember so that was 50, that was over 50 wins ago <laughs> if it was that game in ottawa yes yeah um there was another one where he almost scored i forget it was after that yeah he's been close a couple of times yeah. he's definitely he's definitely working for it um but yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention um, with the Rangers playing an outdoor game this season uh, at MetLife Stadium in February, um, I was curious how many, how much experience this team has with playing outdoor games. So question for you, do you know there's one player on the Rangers who's played five outdoor games? Can you guess who it is? I wouldn't have been able to guess it if uh you didn't send me the list beforehand but my guess would have been like the Banajad, but yeah i think it Kreider. it is Kreider. yeah zabanajad has only played in two he played in the heritage classic with the senators and then the 2018 winter classic with the rangers yeah but chris Kreider played in five outdoor hockey games the stadium series games in 2014 that's the winter two. classic in 2018 and then right. about before he turned pro, he played two outdoor games with Boston College. Yeah. Steven texted me a list of, of the players that, like, in the Rangers organization and, like, how many games they played outdoors. It's it's a long list. Now you got to do yeah. the same thing for the Islanders. See how uh, it... Nick, Nick Benino and Eric Gustafson have played four in total each. Uh, Nick Benino played outdoors for boston university the anaheim ducks the pittsburgh penguins and the nashville predators eric gustafson played outdoors in sweden for Frölunda, then twice with the blackhawks and then last year the stadium series with the capitals uh blake wheeler has three outdoor games one with the bruins two with the jets uh zibanejad i already mentioned that he has two quick has two with the kings panarin has two with the blackhawks and Tyler Pitlick has one with the Oilers and one with the uh, Bakersfield Condors in the AHL. So those are all the players that have multiple outdoor hockey games under their belts. Um, then there's Harper, Fox, Lindgren, VZ, Brouillard, Elson, Brodzinski, Lafreniere, Goudreau, and Shesturkin, who all have one. Uh, that's all. Again, it's a lot of experience. Although and I have I, to add that Goudreau was a healthy scratch for for the outdoor game with San Jose. Oh, that doesn't and count. <laughs> he, was still, he was still on the he was still on the roster, so yeah, I, okay. I did I didn't include him, but as a caveat. And Igor Shostorkin was the backup goalie when uh, when his team in Russia played an outdoor game in Helsinki. Okay, but still a lot of guys yeah. that have suited up and been on that outdoor ice because the ice is different and it's not it's not like regular stadium ice like yeah madison square garden ice like madison square garden ice is pristine that outdoor ice it could be like water it's it, also it, a lot it's also a lot colder than playing in an arena yes yeah so. the conditions are bad for everybody yeah. by the way uh adam fox and ryan lindgren played the outdoor game together when they were playing for uh usa under 20 in the world juniors back in uh 28 2017 uh with the go. world Juniors in buffalo there you go uh i'm sure i wonder if they were defense partners they're probably defense partners for that too. I, I i'm pretty sure they were they, they've been playing together ever since they were like 14. that's insane that's not yeah. 
That's why it's like it's any anytime someone's like, all right, they should do Fox Miller, and it's like, but Fox and Lindgren are so damn good together. Yeah, the, that's the why Fox I Miller, think the, the Fox the, Miller pairing is one that I want to see, but only if a Lindgren Truva pairing works, and it just unfortunately it doesn't. Like if you do it in like the if you do Fox Miller, let's say like offensive zone start is really like when you could do it but not like i'm not gonna put them out there if you're defending a lead i want my best guys out there i want fox lindgren if it's like a one goal lead one minute to go you know what i mean but of course if you're down a goal kind of like last year when they did with against the stars fox miller out there you know yeah that would be good the thing with miller though i always feel miller is better suited for defensive defensive zone starts because he he is most he has the most impact when he has ice in front of him to skate into. Okay, that's an interest. That's an interesting point. Um, he's he's really good in transitioning the puck when he has the puck on a stick. When he starts in the offensive zone, he doesn't have the space to to work with that to, to do what he does best. That that doesn't mean that he's that he's bad in the offensive zone. I'm just saying, like especially with, like four on four. I'd always put Miller out there for the full two minutes. I don't care. I don't care who else is on the team. I see. Kind of like how, like when when the Rangers had Nash, like you would want to get him out there four on four. Yeah, because there's more ice for him. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Miller could do could at some point he could make that improvement though, like with the offensive zone starts, like you know straddling the line, being a rover back there. But I I see I could see I see what you're saying though about having more ice. I never really thought about it that way, though. Interesting perspective. But um, before we close it out here, uh, we have to do our... Uh, this has become a staple of the show recently. The uh, the Ice Cold Take segment. Um, a reminder for fellows watching on YouTube or listening in the car, Spotify, all of your podcast platforms. An Ice Cold Take is a noun. It's an accurate statement backed by fact and observations that is solid in nature, similar to a block of ice, i.e. a spot-on claim. So, Stephen, uh, I need you to make, like, a bold prediction. You need to make an ice-cold take, and you got to hope it, uh, it stays solid in nature, like a block of ice, and doesn't <laughs> melt on you. <laughs> um... Yeah, that's uh that's I'll a get, tough one. I got I have mine. I, I say this is the year it's just Durkin scoring his goal. Is that really an ice cold take though? That, if, I mean, it, if it comes true, then it is, but if it doesn't, it's a melted take. Um <laughs> Jonathan Quick will have a better legacy as a Rangers backup goalie than Yaroslav Halak. Ooh, okay. Okay. Halak was Halak had a had an had a rough start, but then he picked it up there. Yeah. It's yeah. hard though because he it was only one year. So, you mean like? Do you think like no, he's no, gonna in, get more in the in the first year? Like I'm not if, if Quake is here for three years, that's irrelevant. Like Jonathan Quake's legacy at the end of the season will be better than Hogden Halak's as a Ranger. Okay, so you think he's gonna like get more wins, like have better stats? Like what do you think? Have more, have a better impact on this team. Have a better impact on this team. Okay, all right, I like that. I like that. That's uh, that's fun. Um, yeah. Is it okay if I do another one? Yeah, absolutely. 
Mine sucked, so go ahead. Um, Adam Edstrom is going to be a Ranger by the end of the season. Ooh, okay. He had a pretty good. He had a pretty good preseason. Yeah, uh, I thought they were going to give him a little, like maybe one more game of a look before they would send him down? Well, I think what really hurt a lot of the Ranger prospects was that preseason game at UBS Arena that was postponed because of the flooding. Okay, yeah. That, that was the second of a back-to-back. -back. So you were going to have all these, these young players playing in that game because they didn't want the same players they had on Thursday playing a back-to-back. -back. Why would you play the same players in a back-to-back -back in preseason? But then, because of the flooding, that game was moved to Saturday. And then Saturday morning, a lot of players were sent down to Hartford. And La Violette opted to go with, with a more veteran team for that game in UBS Arena. So the flooding robbed us of seeing guys like Rempe and Edstrom for, for another game. I see. And that and was the game that the Rangers put out a really bad effort in. And we lost our minds about uh yeah, the, I, I I like to remember that game as the one where Othman and Cooley scored a goal with the goalie pulled. They did score goals, yes. Now that we're talking about that, by the way, um, that is that is a skill that is really hard to train for hockey players to to find in in very close quarters to find the space and time to to score a goal when it's six on five. And the fact that Othman has done it twice and Cooley has done it for the Rangers, even though it was preseason, that is very encouraging for, for, for those two kids moving forward. I think that's a very that's a very underrated aspect of the game. The because ability it, to score when, when your team has pulled their goalie. Is it because there's like more people on the ice? Like it's Yeah, there's less there's less room to play with. There's pressure because you, you have to score to tie it up. Or when you're down two goals, you have to score one quick to even get a chance to tie it up. So the pre there, there's a lot of pressure on you. There's less room to work with. There's more there's more players on the ice in, in that offensive zone. Like the zone itself is smaller than because nobody plays in the neutral zone or the defensive zone when the goalie's pulled. It's all in the offensive zone. So you have you have eleven skaters and a goalie in that offensive zone. To then score in in that in that setting, that's that's really encouraging for young forwards. Uh, Python saying the goalie wasn't pulled when Austin scored. That was a good girl goal. No, I, I, against the Devils. Yeah, he scored. I know he scored. Yeah, that one against the Devils. I know. I know he yeah, had. And then, and then Cooley scored with the goalie pulled against the Islanders, and then Offman did it again in the AHL against the Providence Bruins to tie it up late. Oh, okay, okay. The second one was the in the AHL. Yeah, I. Yeah. That's right. He did score a late one. I remember. I remember watching yeah. that. Yes. Uh, so Ackman's first four goals this season so far, it is a um, a five on five, a five on four, a six on five, and a six on four. He scored four goals in four different situations. Like a utility baseball player, you put him in different spots, and he's going to thrive. Very Almost. good. Almost. But yeah, I just want to point that out. That that's very encouraging for for both Cooley and Offman, because if there's one thing a team always needs, it's it's that kind of mentality and that kind of skill 
to tie a game late. That was uh that's that was uh that's yeah that's an interesting point too like the uh the six on five thing because I know some people say like all right six on four is not really it's not good either because it's like you have too many players out there like if you're trailing and the other team takes a penalty mm-hmm. I've seen some people say like all right six on four is like uh is actually worse than yeah uh, it's, so. Uh, if, if I was the coach, and I'm, I'm not, but if I was an NHL coach and I'm down one goal and I'm on the power play, I wouldn't pull my goalie. Because if you pull the goalie and make it a six on four, the other team cannot ice the puck. Or sorry, they can ice the puck. There's no icing on the penalty kill. Yeah. So they can, they can shoot for the empty net without repercussions. I would just go for the five on four power play in that case. Yeah, and then try and score that way. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's also encouraging is that La Violette, and this comes from beat writers like Vince Mercogliano, Colin Stevenson, and Molly Walker, that he's actively practicing with the team for these for these special uh, special team situations. Four on four, five on four, six on four, three on three, four on three. And the fact that they're calling it out means that it wasn't happening under the previous coaching. <laughs> because you never saw it, you never saw that when it was. When if, Gallant was, if it was a regular thing under Gallant, the beat writers wouldn't we, have, wouldn't have called it out. It, we would have, yeah, we would have seen, we would have seen footage of it happening if if it was happening. But yeah, obviously it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. I think I think so. I I think you're right there. Um, last thing before we uh, wrap it up, what did you think of the uh, Frozen Frenzy? Um, it has potential. Um, there were definitely some good things about it uh it's it's far from perfect um but if they're going to do this if they're going to do it again schedule it on a saturday and start the first game at noon eastern and then go all go all day long get rid of the commercial breaks uh make it free to view because that's how you draw in new viewers that's what the mlb does the first week of the season you know, you can stream the games online for free. The AHL did it in their first weekend. And then the fourth point I wanted to make was stream it on a platform like YouTube to make it accessible. They did. They kind of like ha- they halved it. Like they did half of it on ESPN Plus and then they put it on ESPN too. But yeah, I guess like. Yeah, yeah, but but not everyone has ESPN too. Not everyone has ESPN Plus. You know, everyone in the world has access to YouTube. That's YouTube, yeah. Yeah, and and no blackouts. Get rid of the blackouts too, just for one day. Where if you want to make it, they didn't get rid of the blackouts for the one day. No, if no, uh, if you want to, well, the Frozen Frenzy broadcast you could still watch, but like if you want to draw in viewers with that one day where all the teams are playing, get rid of blackouts. Just one day in the season. Yeah, just for that one day. Just for that one day. You know, get rid of the blackouts. Get rid of the commercial breaks. Start at noon. Uh, make it free to view and make it accessible on a platform like YouTube so you can draw in fans from Australia, Japan, Europe, South America. That's how you grow the game. You're not going to grow the game by having it by having it broadcast by ESPN with a commercial break every 20 minutes. I think overall, I think that I love that they went forward with the idea. I love that oh, no. they... 
it's a like I said, it's a it's a solid first try. It's it's the idea was great. The execution could have been better. Yeah, they could but, have ex- absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But like, I yeah. I hope they continue with it. Like, mm-hmm. I want them to do it again. Yeah, but you know, I know they don't want to compete with college football because they think they're not going to yeah, win that, that was battle. That tough because it was uh, it was opening night of basketball. You and know, it, and it was game seven of the NLCS. Yes, exactly. But like February, right after the All-Star game, there's no college football, there's no NFL. Saturday in February, a Saturday in February, do another frozen frenzy. We have to like get on them too. Like we have to say, like, like we could tag Weeksy and Butchergrass. Like, are you guys doing it in February? This week. You guys are yeah. doing it in February, right? On this day. You guys should do it this day in February. By the way, Kevin, if you're listening, just 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 do this. Yeah, please. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there was one thing that I um I did want to nitpick. Like when NFL Red Zone does it, it's very quick. Like when they go to a game, they show you the highlight they need to show you, and then they go back to the other game. With the NHL one, um, they were lingering too long. They were lingering too long. Yeah, I'm like the, yeah. so the uh, Washington game, for example, like they cut in, it was one nothing, and they stayed there for like the next five minutes on that one. Go- and the Washington or the uh, yeah, but, the, the Leafs but, but ended Washington, up scoring. Washington was also the first game to start. Yeah, but there was another game. There was uh, the Sabers, so they should have just gone back and forth between the two. Yeah, but, but 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 if that game was was going through an intermission at the time or a TV timeout. Or commercial break. There's nothing you can show. Yeah, but I don't think it was though because and they... especially with the early games, you only have two or three games. If one is on a commercial break, the other one's on intermission. You're only left with one game. They they were both going. At the, it was just the Buffalo game and the okay. and the uh, Toronto and, and game. Columbus having a power outage didn't help either. Oh yeah, that's true. I like that they staggered the start times. Yeah, which is great. which is look. That's it, what they should it, do it, every day. It will never be it will never be a regular thing because and and this is gonna be an unpopular opinion, but and I know people that want to watch a lot of hockey want this, the staggered start times. But the reason most games are at seven PM local time is for fans in the arena, the fans that attend the games. Like if you look at New York, right? If you live on Long Island and the Ranger game starts at seven thirty, you know what a pain in the ass it is to get home? Yeah. 30 minutes makes a big difference. So it's it's not going to be a regular thing, and it shouldn't be. Like, the start time is there for fans who attend the game. If anything, like, the one thing they should fix is that the advertised start time is the actual start time. You know, don't tell me that puck drop is at 7 when the puck actually drops at 7.12. Yeah. That's something you can change. Baseball is really good about that. Like they say, seven. Every other every other sport is good about. It. Yeah. The Rugby World Cup's on at the moment. Eight p.m. kickoff. Eight p.m. kickoff. The Champions League. For the last twenty-five to thirty years, the start time that's advertised is the kickoff time. All games start at the same time. They do it in the NFL. All you have to do is just say puck drop seven ten. Or say that you don't have to change the process yeah. in the arena, but say it. Say yeah, puck drop is at seven ten. They do this in the OHL, you know, in the Ontario Hockey League. They they literally show the start time as seven oh seven or seven twelve 
or 725. The the Sioux Greyhounds do it at 707, all their home games, 707. Just do that. Just tell people when the puck drops. Can, yeah. can you imagine going to Times Square on New Year's Eve to watch the ball drop and they drop it 10 minutes after midnight? <laughs> Crazy. No, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. No. Well, I think the idea was a solid concept. I love that like, they're, yeah. you know, trying to do something. They're not just, you know, here's the games and you can't get it's them. A, or it's a really good first attempt. Like they, first. they, they did really well for the first try. Like but, I hope, like if they're listening, don't take what we're saying is like, oh, we should never do this again. No, 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 no. Do it again. Do it again. But just do it again. Don't. But tweak it a little bit. Like yeah. fine tune it. Like Even if they make like one or two of the improvements we're suggesting, it's a it's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Because yep. this thing is a step in the right direction. This is what we need to grow the game. We need people to start watching these mm-hmm. games. Like this is something that I would have dreamed of. I remember when I was younger, I used to go on like on demand. Like I would never be able to get like a Penguins game or like um, uh, like a, a San Jose Sharks game or yeah. uh, a Dallas Stars game from my house. I would only mm. be able to watch the Rangers, the Devils, and the Islanders. That's it. Now, you um, know what would be really cool? And this is something for like next season. If they combine the Frozen Frenzy with the NHL Global Series. Hear me out. Hear me out. 1 p.m. Central European time. You have a game starting in Prague. That is uh, 8 a.m. Eastern. Then, then 30 minutes later, you start a game in Helsinki or 15 minutes later. And then 15 minutes after that, you start a game in Stockholm. You have your frozen frenzy that, that, that goes a full 15, 16 hours. You start at 8 a.m. Eastern with games in Europe, the way the NFL does it with their games in London. You know, you wake up Sunday morning, your first game starts at 9, and then you just watch football all day. That's what the NHL could do if they combine the Frozen Frenzy with the NHL Global Series. That would be a good idea. That would be good. Then you can watch hockey from 8 a.m. in the morning until 2 a.m. at night. That would be do awesome. it on do, do it on a Saturday in February, so you don't have to compete with the NFL or college football. Make it a thing, and then make it stream it on YouTube for twelve hours. Make it free to view for fans. That's how you draw in a new fan base. And this is what oh, I mean. And, and another thing, just just got Charles Barkley and Pat McAfee in the studio for this. Yeah. Yes. You know, absolutely. They're giving you the opportunity to market your game to to a completely new fan base. Like football fans already watch Pat McAfee's podcast or whatever he does. Basketball fans listen to anything Charles Barkley says. If Charles Barkley says to to jump off a bridge, they will. If Charles Barkley's in the studio and he talks about hockey the way he already is, that's how you draw in new fans. It's the same thing as the Taylor Swift and, and Kelsey thing. You see, like it's like yeah. that would be to a lesser extent, obviously, but you see Kelsey's jersey sales went up like they skyrocketed mm-hmm. that after that first game after that first game that Taylor Swift was there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you put you put Chuck in there or you put uh Pat McAfee in there. You're bound right, so- to get like even if it's just a hundred people that start watching mm-hmm. hockey. All right, so so which famous singer is going to uh is going to date Nathan McKinnon? 
Ah, man. I don't know. Maybe Olivia Rodrigo? I I, I don't know. That was just the first one that came up to my mind. I, I have no idea. I, I I wouldn't even know which which name to drop. Like I'm just I'm just spitballing. Like which famous singer couldn't could date Nathan McKinnon to give the NHL a similar similar exposure? That would be nice. That would be nice. I mean, Carrie Underwood dated Mike, uh, married Mike Fisher, but you know, Mike Fisher was not like uh, an insane. Yeah, outside of the Nashville Predators, who 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 really capitalized on it? Yeah, for real, exactly. Um, yeah. but like, let me get back to my point though, is this was a, a dream for, for me. Like I never had that opportunity to watch all these games. Like I had to go on demand, like on demand, remember on demand, like you press one on your controller and I would go to the highlights of the games and I would watch each of the games the previous night, like for free, I would have to watch the highlights. I couldn't get the full game. I would do that for all the games. I would do it like every day or every other day. I forget what I did. I would go on the computer and I would go to the team website and I would go and watch the highlights like mm. team by team and see like, all right, how did this game go? How did that game go? How did this game go? Now it's like, you know, you have this, you have the ability to show all the games at the exact same time. You know what I mean? And it's like, if you put it, like if you just even put it on regular ESPN, it would be insane. Problem is, you got to do yeah. it on a day that's better for everybody. Like, I'm, so that's I'm not fine, competing. I'm fine, with it be, I'm fine with it being on ESPN two or ESPN plus, but on top of that, stream it on an open platform. Yeah, I would definitely do YouTube for sure. YouTube yeah. is is like number one. Everyone knows YouTube. Everyone can access YouTube on their smart TV. Everyone has a smartphone. You know, everyone everyone can access YouTube. That's that's the platform to go with. I don't know who Mark Williams is. Uh, Python. I, I don't know who Mark. Oh, is. he's the uh, host of um, Big Apple Hockey. He's the guy that always messes up names. He calls Huberto Justin Huberto. What? <laughs> he he mixes up Huberto with Trudeau. Oh my God! So Jonathan Huberto becomes Justin Huberto. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> uh, like even, even if like, all right, with no commercials either, like you could just, you could substitute people in there. Like you could give like just 30 seconds where weeks he takes over. Yeah. But or... Kevin, Kevin weeks doesn't have to be in a studio for 15 hours. You know, you, right. can, you can just do like a block for like three, four hours or, you know, if it's two people in the studio, like one, one can go for like a coffee break or, you know, a bathroom break or whatever, and then come back five minutes later. It's not the end of the world. It's like I, like I said, you know, Frozen Frenzy was a really good first try. Oh, Mark Williams did Dave McKinnon. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jennifer Lopez should date, should date Sidney Crosby or something. Oh, that would, that would, that would help. Um, no, like, it's, it was a good first try. There are some things that they can improve, and especially doing it on a Saturday. Because doing it on a Tuesday where the Flyers playing in Vegas and they don't start until 11 p.m. Eastern, that's just cruel. Like, people don't tune in for that on the East Coast. And yeah. they could have done the, – the last thing I'll say that they could have done a better, better uh, job with is the matchups themselves. Oh, like when they scheduled it, like who was playing them on this who, day? Who was playing who? Like on a day like this, 
you should have Vegas play San Jose, not have Vegas play Philly. Yeah. Not have the Rangers play the Flames. The so Rangers should be playing the Islanders, Islanders or, the Devils, or, the or the Penguins or the Flyers or the Bruins. You know, the Flames should be playing the Oilers or at the very least the Canucks. Yeah, it should it yeah, it should be like a, the Battle of Alberta, like Toronto, Montreal, like Yeah. Have have the Bruins play the Canadians, have the have the Leafs play the Red Wings. No, that that those are the matchups you want on a day like this. Like hockey night in Canada is on Saturday, but like do that for the United States as well. You know, like grow it yeah. that way. Are they like afraid? I wonder if they're like afraid like it'll take away from the Canada, like the Canadian aspect. Like because I know that's they've done that for forever. Uh, Saturday night hockey night in Canada. I don't know. Yeah. Hockey night in Canada is not broadcast in the United States. So what's right. the, what, what's the big deal? Do people in Canada have access to ESPN? I don't know. They probably do. I, they probably, I, I guess. Maybe. They use TSN. That's right. They use TSN. Yeah. Yeah. It's, right. it's TSN. It's CBC, RDS, uh, Sportsnet. Yeah. Sportsnet. It, I don't think, I don't know. I, I, I've never lived in Canada, but I'm not sure if they even have access yeah. to ESPN. It's not like you're, it's not like you're clashing with Hockey Night in Canada. If you do your rivalry night on a Saturday, I wouldn't mind it. I think I think that's a good idea, though. February, yeah. pick a day after the Super Bowl. You know, college football is done. Yeah, it's just no baseball. You're just doing basketball. The only Hockey. sport you're gonna go up against is basketball. So do the basketball you... games, but if you set aside like one day, like a Saturday, it's got to be a weekend. Like yeah, weekend. don't do it on a weekday. Like, do it on a weekend. Start yeah. start as early as possible, and then go all day long. That watch like night. watch like that first weekend after the Super Bowl, like that Saturday. It's gonna have like two games on. Watch, that's how the NHL schedule things. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. No. Um. Well, anyways, Stephen, thanks so much for joining me. We're gonna wrap this episode up. Uh, Ice Cold Takes fans, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, Rangers fans, thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. Time, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.